All right. Are you ready for the word of God? Let's go back to our anchor scripture. You know, there are three principles, major principles of success. The first one is light. Somebody say light. I've taught you this many times. Somebody holler light. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be what? Light. And what happened? There was light. The first principle of success is light. Light is God revealing who he is to you. Because you see, until you know God for yourself, there are certain things you can do. For they that do know their God, what will happen? They shall be strong. And what will happen? They would do exploits. Know the word of God. Light. Somebody holler light. Say it like you are serious. Light. The second principle is truth. Somebody say truth. You shall know the truth. What will happen? The truth shall make you. The, the truth is a manufacturer of destiny. When you know the truth, it will make you whatever you should be. The truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Three, three very powerful things you must see. Even if I finish this and I don't preach anymore, you are okay. Take this home. Get light. Somebody holler light. Light is God showing you himself. That is, when, you know, when, 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 if somewhere or a place is dark and you put a spotlight on someone, immediately you will recognize the person. You need that. You need that. For you to do exploits in this world, you need to know who your father is. Because as he is, finish it. So are we in this world. So are we. When you know God, there is a way you behave. Those of you beating your wife, is because you don't know God. If you are still swearing, you don't know God. If you are still sleeping with somebody you are not married to, you have no, you don't know God. Can I hear an amen? It is the absence of light that makes people do what they do. Absence of light. The knowledge of God that we have is what makes us stand firm in him and not do certain things. Second thing is the truth. The truth. And the Bible said that grace and truth came by who? Jesus Christ. He said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. And in the beginning of that scripture was John chapter 1 and verse 1. And in the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was nothing made that was made. And the Bible said, that Word was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness. And darkness could not comprehend it. And if you go down, the Bible said the word became flesh and we beheld his glory. The glory of the son of God as the only begotten of the father. We beheld his glory. People, people of God know the truth. I'm telling you, you need to know what truth is. Know the word. This word, listen, without the word, there is no victory in this world. I don't care how much you pray. Many of your prayers are not answered because they are not backed with the word of God. Say amen, somebody. And then the third thing is your seed. 
These are three major spiritual principles for success. Seed. Those who understand the power of a seed never go down. Because everything is hidden in a seed. Oh, where is your amen? Everything is hidden in a seed. And the Bible says in Luke 8, 11, and the seed is the word of God. Now, now, look at how many scriptures I've quoted. Just without opening the Bible, I've quoted almost 50 scriptures. Just right now in about two, three minutes. This thing must be in you. He said, let the word of God dwell richly. How? How must he dwell? Richly in you. Let it dwell richly. Church, that's why when people start talking against pastors and, you know, pastors, they are just enjoying their life, driving good cars. My friend, I told you before, I said, guys, you know, one day I told you guys, let's settle this thing once and for all. There is a reason why God blesses his servants. Hello? Hello? Didn't I share it with you some years ago or some time ago? I said, number one, pastors connect you to the highest level of relationship ever. Anyone who can connect you to your maker is worthy of your celebration. Say amen. That's a relationship that is highest above any other. I'm telling you, church, it's a valuable relationship. Before I came here, I've stood before God hours in prayer. Lord, that somebody may know you today. That somebody may be connected to you today. While you were snoring, I was doing that. And then you think God will ignore me and bless you. Hello, is God unjust? No. Secondly, anybody that can communicate God's dimension of power and supernatural, his word, listen, church, you don't buy miracle from Absa. You don't buy miracle from NetBank. Hello? You don't get miracle from Mall of the South. This is why God blesses his servants. This is why God values them. He values his servants. Because we work for God. I know, yes, here and there, there are many people on the pulpit who are doing stupid things. But that does not mean they are not genuine. Am I communicating? Church, it's important that you stay in the word. I have, I've told you guys, I wish I had abracadabra to offer you. I don't. What I have to offer you is God and his word. He says, I've honored my word above my name. Now, God so honored his own word that he put it above his name. Church, isn't that something that you should recognize and go into every day? Hello, church. Look at your neighbor, preach to them, say, Apostle says, read your Bible. Mm. Read your Bible. Who promised me to read their Bible every day? All right, please. Make that your daily routine. At least read a verse in the Bible. Take a verse with you, meditate on it the whole day. He said to Joshua, after Moses had died, he said, Moses, Joshua was crying every day for Moses. You know, Moses was a great man of God. I mean, the kind of thing that guy did, no, it was just impossible for Joshua to think himself doing something like that. While he was mourning Joshua, God said, hey, my friend, take these people across Jordan. Said, take them to the land that I've promised them. And then he gave him a formula, Joshua 1.8. 
What was it? Let this book of the law not depart from your mouth. He said, but thou shalt meditate on it. How long? Day and what else? And night. Now, church, if you remove day and night from your time, how many do you have? Nothing else. That means God wants you to stay in the word every hour, every second. Stay in the word. Because that's how you will get mastery in this world. Somebody has made me left my message this morning and bring correction. Please, let's stay in the word of God. Read your Bible. When you know how God functions, you know God and his word, there is a way you behave. There is a way you behave. You know, that's why we tell young people, anybody that loves you more than God, don't marry them. They will put you in trouble. Any man, lady, any man that loves you more than God, stay away from that man. Any woman that loves you more than God, because if he loves God, he will not sleep with you before he marries you. I pray for this offended church this morning that the blood cleans you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. My goodness. Uh, title of my message this morning is Enlargement from Where You Are. Enlargement from Where You Are. All right. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9. And the Bible says then Jabez, now Jabez was more honorable. That's the part that everybody eliminated. <laughs> you guys... Nobody could remember that. He says, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with what? With sorrow. Nazareth. The Bible says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Other versions, I think the New King James say, enlarge my territory. Um, he said that thy hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. We have been praying about supernatural enlargement in the past two months or so. And I guarantee you God has heard your prayers. Get ready for your enlargement. But today I want to talk to you how you can get your enlargement from where you are. Somebody say, from where you are. You see, whenever God wants to do anything for you, he doesn't do it outside from where you are. He does it from where you are. Uh, Genesis 13, 14, or 14, 13, 14. I hope I'm right. The Bible says, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham after Lot had departed from him and said, Abraham, look northward. Am I correct? 13, 14, that's it. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lord was separated from him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are. God always bless you from where you are. He does not ignore where you are. And that's one of the place, things that many people ignore. They ignore where they are. They ignore where they are. Father, bless the ministration of your word. I won't preach long in Jesus' name. Give it to us. He says... Lift up now your eyes from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Keep going. 
for all the land which you see from where you are, I will give it to you. What are you seeing from where you are? How to get enlargement from where you are? You need to see from where you are. Somebody say, I need to see from where I am. I don't care whether you are in a shark. See beyond the shark. I don't care whether you live in a hole. See beyond the hole. See from where you are. Don't look at the hole. That's why sometimes they are, I, I, I keep encouraging you. One of the things you must do as a child of God is that you must go see things that are bigger than you. Don't stay in the confines of small things. If you're running a food business, go to bigger restaurants and see what they do. See what they do. Am I talking to somebody? If you are a secretary to a, small, a, a director of a small company, talk to secretaries or look at the life of secretaries who are secretary to presidents. Whatever you are, you can see from there. Am I talking to somebody? From where you are. Now, today, what I want, I'm, I'm actually going to talk. I'm not going to preach. I want to talk to you on just the principles that I, as a pastor, um, took from the word of God when this church started. I'm just probably going to just tell you the history of this church. For some of you, you need to know how to, how to get supernatural enlargement from where you are. Because I can promise you now, everybody here or most people here, let me put it that way, think that where, from where they are, nothing can happen. I'm too small. The salary is too small. I don't have uncles. I don't have anybody. I live in a small house. I don't have clothes. I don't have Brazilian hair. I don't have wig. I don't, I'm in all kinds of excuses that are being given. You know, <clears throat> there were two scriptures that I read in the beginning of this ministry that kept me and kept me sane and kept me always prepared for the work of God that he has given me. The one of them is Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. I'm going to start from that scripture. And, and that's my story. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you now the things that I did for this church to get where it is today. All right. He says, take heed therefore. I read this scripture because there was one time I studied one of the, <clears throat> um, the books I, I read. Obviously because I knew I was going to pastor an apostolic church. And God had given me an apostolic mandate. I had to study the book of Acts. I read Acts read Acts until, men, I could quote the book of Acts. When I got born again, I read the, the, the synoptic gospels, which is um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those ones, I stayed there. Those were my books when I got born again. I wanted to know Jesus. And let me tell you, church, God saw my hunger. Jesus saw my hunger. After I read those books many times, he, he showed up and appeared to me. Say amen. amen. Jesus doesn't just appear to anyone. He appears to those who are hungry. Your hunger will pull him to you. Say amen, somebody. Oh, my screen is off. He said, take heed therefore to yourself to, and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost made you overseer. So that's why they call me a general overseer because I'm overseeing the flock of God. Say amen. It's not a, you know, today everybody wants to be something. These are not titles. This is assignment. Say amen. So he said to feed the church of God, which he had purchased 
with his own blood. And the Lord told me that, my son, you are a chef. You are a what? A chef. Every time I show up here on this pulpit, I am what? A chef. What does a chef do? He prepares meals for you. And make sure, what, in fact, God puts it this way in the book of Jeremiah, I will give you pastors after my heart who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So there are two dishes that every pastor must give out from the pulpit. What are they? Knowledge and what else? Understanding. There is no need for me to come here. You know when I listen to some pastors, they use all the English. In the, you need dictionary to understand their message. I'm wondering, dude, not everybody in your assembly went to Harvard. You don't have to blow all the grammar in the world. By the time they finish, you, you are more confused than before they started the message. I was talking to Ike, my friend. I said, I was listening to another of our friends. And I mean, this guy was doing a, a morning program on social media. Boy, did this guy blow grammar. Even me at my level, I'm like, dude, this your English is too much, man. You know? I mean, from start to finish, all kinds of English that you need. You are preaching the gospel. Make it simple. Jesus explained the gospel with famine. He said the kingdom of God is as if a man goes and sows seed in the farm. Hello? He, he made it in a simple way that anybody can understand. But we are trying to complicate it. Am I communicating? So, I, I went to this scripture, and the Bible tells me that I should take heed unto myself. Take heed unto who? Unto yourself. So that means that, Mina, I have to stand before I can make you stand. I can't be in depression and be preaching to you. The only, listen, you cannot give what you don't have. Say amen. When Peter met the man at the gate beautiful, he said, such as I have. Give I unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. You cannot give what you don't have. That's why I have not made everybody a pastor. Because I can't bring you here when you are still depressed. Hello? Hello? You are depressed. You are suicidal. When you come here, all you will preach is suicide. Say amen, somebody. So when people rush into ministry, they don't even know the God they are preaching. They don't know the Bible. You see, it's one thing to preach the Bible, but it's another to preach it from an experience point of view. I've gone through things. I've been through this. There are certain people that come to me for counseling, and they weeping and gnashing of teeth, and I'm finished. And I look at them. And this was stage I went through 25 years ago. I would tell them, chill, just relax. This too shall pass. Because I've been there. I have experience. I have a certificate in that area. Say amen, somebody. So it's important that you understand this. The second scripture is what I want to teach from this morning. And I'm just going to glean principles from it that will help you to start from where you are to experience enlargement. The book of Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 23. If possible, give me this uh, I read this in like five versions this morning. I like the New Living Translation. It's slowly becoming one of my 
you know, favorite versions now, amen, because I grew up with King James Version, so uh, we are used to Thou Wouldest and all that, you know. Uh, some of you are still, you're still, uh, we're still helping you, amen. Everybody look up the screen. Look at what he said. He said, know the state of your flock. <laughs> Somebody say no. Now, this might be talking to a pastor, okay? Um, it, it, this, this scripture spoke to me as a pastor when House of Treasure started, that I should know the state of our flock. If I want to have enlargement in this ministry, know the state of your flock. It's not everything I can preach here. I've told you guys, there are messages I've prepared that I can't preach now. Because I know you can't, you, it, will go, it will enter this ear and come out from here. There are certain level of maturity that I would need. Have you realized, those of you who come for Saturday prayers, there are so many things I say on Saturdays I don't say during service. Hello? You know why? Because you are in the place of prayer. That's why those of you who don't come for prayer, you will stay on milk level. Am I communicating? He says, know the state of your flock. Put your heart in caring for the heads. Now, let me leave ministry and talk to you that is working and you that is, is, has a business. The same way Apostle Felix has to know the state of the flock which he pastors. You should know the state of your business. Know the state. Listen. Some of you, you are doing a business you don't have knowledge about. It is just the small knowledge you picked up here and there. That's why you are not excellent. Go and study the business. Get information. Know the state of your business. Know how to do it and I'll do every person that does it. Why are there no amens this morning? Know the state of your flock. Remember, when they were writing this Bible, when Solomon was writing this Bible, the major trade of Israel at that time was what? Farming. So they were dealing with farming of crops and then animals and herds. The word uh, herds, obviously uh, livestock or flock means it's goat and sheep. But herds is things like cattle, donkeys, that's where they all fall in. So they fall in lamb, uh, ram. All those things fall into, into the heads. So he said that, listen, if you want to succeed, the first thing you need to do is know the state of your flock. Beloved brother and sister, don't just start a business because it is registered in DTI. No. Go and study the business. Before this church started, I read a book called The Five Star Church. And that is one of the things that has brought us to the excellent level where we are today. I told, this church started and we formed a leadership called The Kitchen. I read it from that book. I told you the story of this book. A guy that works for a five-star restaurant. He works for a company, um, a, um, a hotel. So he's the manager of the restaurant. And... There was another restaurant in another state in the United States that was not doing well. So they now posted him there and put somebody else where he is. So he, he traveled to that uh, state with his family. They moved him. And then he now 
and you know, became the manager of that restaurant because the restaurant in that, uh, under somebody else was not doing well. So they removed that person. They fired the person and replaced him that is successful in another restaurant. Watch this. So when he got there, he then went to, uh, he's a born-again Christian. So he went to a church. So it wasn't even written by a pastor. So he went to a church that was close by his house. When he got there, small church, not as big as this, small church. The men of God loved God, preached powerfully, but chaos in the church. Like, if nobody knew what to do, everybody does what they want. So, he attended first Sunday, second Sunday. By the end of the month, he now told the pastor and his wife, come to the restaurant, and I want to just, you know, take you out. So, he took off from work, so he could sit with his wife and his pastor, the new pastor now, and his wife. So, they sat in this restaurant, and they began to eat. And after they finished eating, the pastor enjoyed the meal. It was a five-star meal. Hallelujah. I wish I have one after service. Glory to God. But anyway, after they finished eating, he now took only the pastor, left his wife and mama, and took the pastor to the kitchen, opened the door. <laughs> they stood by the door and were watching the kitchen. They watched chef. Plate is breaking. The other one is swearing at the other one. The other one is saying, why is your dessert not ready? The other one is saying, you're, you are an idiot. You, you, you didn't prepare the meat. is undone. Everybody is insulting one another. And then after he showed him everything, he brought him back to the reception. He asked him a question. What's the difference between here and the kitchen? He said, well, the kitchen is where you prepare the meal. And here is where you eat. He says, sir, I visited your church for three Sundays. This coming Sunday will be the fourth one. And what I saw is that you are bringing the kitchen to the reception hall. Child. Man, I read that. That thing changed my perspective to ministry. So what did we do? We formed a leadership team called the kitchen. When we started this church, the kitchen, we used to fight like there were times where I almost, people cry in our leaders' meeting. Like pastors are crying. You see, all the departmental heads are in the kitchen. That's where we cook the excellence you see. Everything you see here. When you see the choir so coordinated, it's because they have representatives in the kitchen. That comes to tell them, guys, if you guys mess up, we face the music there. Know the state. So, somebody say knowledge. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. When you come, everybody that comes to this church, the one thing they will always say is, man, it's an excellent church. How did it happen? Knowledge. I studied something and I decided to put it into practice. Now in the kitchen, we are more matured now. Obviously, the church has grown from 11 years ago till now. So we're more matured. When we make decisions now, we make it with no more fights. I mean, there was a day I read. In fact, I, I never forget. The person I will never forget is, is Pastor Lily. Where is she? Is she in church? There. The day she came to, we, 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 they, she was made the head of intercession. And she came into the kitchen. <laughs> the, the arguments we were having there. In fact, that day I almost slapped Colin. You know Pastor Colin? I almost slapped him. 
because that is where I gave them authority to talk to me as though I'm not their pastor. That means I can be corrected. I had to do that so that I don't also do as I please. Am I talking to somebody? You see, if you want excellence, you have to give yourself up for it. So, the, Pastor Colin was trying to correct me on something, but the way the correction came, it was with a serious attitude. <laughs> and I wanted to bless him in the name of the Lord. Glory to God. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost helped me. Amen. That day, I saw Pastor Lily. Her mouth was like, huh? <laughs> like, are these people born again? Are they one? You know, her, I'm sure in her mind, she was like, are these people the leaders I see in church? But you see, that's the kitchen. We can fight there, but we can't do it here. Am I communicating? Know the state. Know whatever business you are starting, st go and start it first. I was released from our church, our previous church, on the 9th of August, uh, 2011. This church started September 11, 2011. On the 9th of August, when I was released, I went to get five books written by a guy called Nelson Siasi on how to launch a church. In fact, there are five of them. One is launch. One is generosity ladder. How to, how people, how to make people give into your vision. Generosity ladder. The one is activate. The one is, um, oh, Holy Ghost, help me. Launch, activate, fusion. The other one is, uh, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. But five of them. And I got these books. I sat down with these books. Now, Nelson Siasi started a church in Manhattan. In two years, the church was two and a half thousand. Now, those of you who have traveled to Manhattan, how many of you have been to New York? You've been to Manhattan. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand, please. All right. Now, Manhattan is such a buzzy place that people, the last thing people think of is church. It's so busy. I mean, you come out 2 a.m. One white lady is walking the dog. 2 a.m. People are walking around as if there is no day nor night. Amen, somebody. But this guy began a church in the midst of where churches are not growing and he grew it to two and a half thousand. And I said, I want to know what this guy knows. I want to know. So I sat down and read that book. Now, who was on the day of the launch of House of Treasures? Is there anyone? You were there. Stand up. If you were there on the day of the launch, stand up. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. You were there on our launch. In Taba. Are you serious? You've been here that long. Wow. That's amazing. Who else? Okay, Marianne, were you there? Uh, you should be there. <laughs> I mean, your elder sister was my, my wife. So stand up. Keep standing. Keep standing. Now, on the day of our launch, when we launched House of Treasures, that day, we had about 700 people on the day of the launch. That formula, I got it from that book. Even though many of them were my friends, many of them were business partners, many of them were some church people, they came in and we had that lunch. I fed everyone. But you see, 
on that day, something was generated. Some people came and never left anymore and stayed. In fact, it was on the day of the launch we had, there was this one day, I, you, you may all sit. There was this day I went to preach, um, it was a, a, con a, a conference, and Bishop Eddie Long was to preach. And, and it was a millionaire's conference. I mean, people flew in with private jet from Cape Town, from everywhere for this conference. So Bishop Eddie Long was to preach. And on that day, um, that was the day Zachary Teams died of drug uh, overdose in his hotel room in New York. So Zachary Teams was a very good friend to Bishop Eddie Long. And so now Eddie Long was already in Michelangelo and they called him that his friend had died. And Eddie Long said to the organizer of the conference, I can't preach tonight. I can't, unfortunately. Now, at this point, House of Treasures hasn't started. So, uh, we are all waiting, sitting. I mean, we, I mean, everybody is chilling and waiting for this great man of God that will come and preach to us. The guy, organizer, received a call and said, Sir, uh, I can't make it. My best friend just died. I'm not in a good state. You know, Americans, you know how they are. If he's African, I'm... Dr. Mokbai was going to a crusade. His wife and his children were in another car. He was in another car. They went ahead of him and they fell off the bridge. And the car went into the ocean. He could swim. When he got there, he dived into the water, saved his wife first. Two of his children drowned. He, did, he, he left his wife there with paramedics and went to preach. And now, uh, you see, uh, you, you know why you say, hey, you are a cheese boy and a cheese girl. Some of us, we are die hard. Die hard. You can leave somebody on the bed. I mean, just go and preach and return. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah. So, one day, I was going to church. The day, one of the days, the ambulance came to pick up my, my late wife. I was on my way to church. I just, she said, baby, I'm not in a good shape. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, keep her. Off I went. I left to come and preach. So we don't think like that. Thank God for Americans. Thank God for them. But nonetheless, Bishop Edelon said, I can't come. And I'm sitting there, just chilling, waiting for the man of God. <laughs> the organizer, I just saw somebody's hand on my shoulder. I looked up, it was the organizer. He said, man of God, can I talk to you? <laughs> I said, the devil is a liar. And he called me aside and said, man of God, unfortunately, I can't, uh, Bishop Eddie Long is not coming. Please, can you preach? I said, eh? Preach to who? All these people that came in private jet. I mean, I don't even have the wheel of a private jet. I don't have the spoke or wheel. You, you want me to preach to these people? Man, that church, listen. Now, I was a businessman, but I was prepared. I'm trying to talk to somebody here. Prepare for where you are going. I was prepared. Beloved, I took the microphone. That is the place where I met... Can you remember Suresh, the Indian guy that almost bought so many things for the church when he started? That guy, that's where I met him. After I finished preaching, all those people with private jet, 
came and were giving me their card. What a word. What my life has changed. Eh? I say, wow, your life has changed. Praise the Lord. So I invited many of those people for the launch of the church. And a lot of those people helped us in the beginning. In the beginning of the ministry. Church, know the state of your flock. I'm only on one line. I haven't even, I can't leave this one line. Know the state of your business. Beloved, whatever job you are doing, know it very well. I mean, I've always told Christians, listen, if they want to fire anybody from your job, you should be the last person. Know your job so well. Study to show yourself approved. Improve on yourself. Don't stay on the same level. Am I communicating? Put back that scripture. I told you this morning we are here to talk. He said, put your heart into your herds, for your herds. Put your heart. Let your heart be in what you do. So many of you are going to work tomorrow and your heart is not in that job. You cannot do well. well listen, I'm not cursing you. I'm not talking bad. I'm not prophesying doom. There is no way you can do well in a job your heart is not in. Put your heart to it. Put your heart to it. That's why you don't just take any kind of employment. Take what your heart is in. Am I communicating? Put your heart to it. Everybody I pastor in this church knows that my heart is here. My heart is where? It's here. My heart is here. My heart is here. Put your heart to it. Don't do things haphazardly. Do it from your heart. Do it from your heart. Anything you don't do from your heart will never profit you. I've, you know, church, you've heard me say, I love South Africa. Like this country, I love this country like I'm from here. I'm, I'm serious. So in fact, I love this nation more than some of you. No, I'm serious. I love South Africa and I love South Africans. I, there is just something about special about you guys. And I, I, I mean it from my, the depth of my soul. I told you guys, when my late wife passed, some people were advising me, go back to Nigeria and get a wife. <laughs> Nothing in a Nigerian woman interests me. And if you are a Nigerian woman here, no, no problem at all. We, we, we are not fighting. But listen, I'm talking personal, personal, personal. Nothing. 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 I even pray to God. I say, Lord, whatever you do, don't give me one. I just love South Africans. There's something about you guys. And, and that's because it's a spiritual connection. They, my assignment is on this land. You know how many people have begged me to start church in Nigeria? I say, for what? There are many pastors there. Let them do the work. The one God sent me, I've not finished. Until I get the whole of South Africa saved, I will not go anywhere. Where am I going? Where am I going? You go and do what? No. I love this nation. You know, when I hear pastors open their mouth, South Africans don't go to church. They don't give. They don't, ah! My body, I get goose pimples. I'm like, that's why this guy's church is not doing well. His heart is not in the land that he's trying to win souls from. His heart is not here. My heart is in this nation. Can I shock you? 
with all the money I've made, I've not built one house in Nigeria. Till today, as I stand here, I don't own not every property I will own is my father that will give. My father has real estate everywhere. I have not built one house in Nigeria as I am here. You know how much I've invested in this place? Millions of dollars that we have invested on this land. If my heart was not here, I would take, I would be collecting offering from you and go and build a house for my build one mansion there to secure myself. I don't need the security. No. I am sent here by God. The Lord sent me here. I didn't come here by myself. I was sent by Jesus. One day I was driving from Taba. It was during our fast. I don't know if it was before Excel. And the Lord said to me, I have made you a bridge between Nigeria and South Africa. You are in the spirit. I am the connector of these two nations. In the realm of, I heard it from Jehovah. Nothing wrong with Nigeria at all. Nothing wrong with Nigerian people. I am one. But I am sent here. I'm sent here. Church, you cannot do well in anything your heart is not in. Can I help somebody today? Put your heart in that business that you think is nothing. You will see the difference. You will see the sporadic enlargement that will come on that business. Your heart is not there. You can't, your marriage can't do well when your heart is not there. This woman knows that I've given her my heart. She knows. We just got married a month ago. But she has my heart. She has my heart. She looked at me this morning. She just looked at me. She was just crazy of love. She says, I love you. Ah, even the way she said it, Kabosha, I love you. Kai. I say love is shocking this girl quickly. Hallelujah. <laughs> because she has my heart. She has my heart. I'm not double, I'm not double dealing. Some of you men here, you, are, you, are, you have a wife on yourself. Your wife can't even take your cell phone. You are, you are, you are, you are, you are Father, Lord, help. Enlarge my territory. Oh, Lord, bless me indeed. I just wanted to use that song to quench the word I wanted to use for you. You are here as a man. Your wife does not have access to your cell phone. You have pin numbers. You are not married yet. You are still a boyfriend. Can I hear an amen? You are still a boy. Your heart is not there. You are a woman and, and your husband doesn't have access to your phone. You are, you are, you are a girlfriend. You are not a wife. These are all the things that are making us not do well. When your heart is in a place, it will show. It will show. It will show. I know people whose heart are in this church. I know people. When people stand here to sing, I know those whose heart are here and those whose heart are not. As I'm talking now, there are people here, they are planning to leave as I'm talking. They have planned that by the end of next month, I will not be here again. Your heart must be connected. Say amen, somebody. My goodness, my time is up. Are you getting something out of this? I know I'm not preaching, I'm just talking to you, but please, church, 
mark these principles. I just decided today, let me decide to share what has brought me to where I am. Because, you see church, all of you that are seated here, you look up to me. And it is good that I share my little experience. That no matter where you start, the Bible says, though your beginning may be small, but your latter shall be greatly enlarged. If only you know these principles. Let's keep going. Next verse. We are reading up to 27. Next verse, 24, please. Help me. Verse 24. Glory to God. What happened to you? Are you frozen? It says, For riches don't last forever. And crowns might not be passed to the next generation. He says, listen, church, whatever you are doing now, do it so well because it may not last forever. Do it well. Nothing lasts forever. One of the secrets, you know how many people have left this church? Thousands of people have left. But at the same time, thousands of people have come in. Look, church, how many of you, when you go comb your hair every morning, after combing, some of the hair remain in your comb? Hello. I'm not talking combing weak or weave on. You're not your real hair, your real one. Yeah, amen, somebody. Combing your real hair. I know some people don't have hair anymore. The Kimbenji, you are not part of the people I'm talking about. Glory to God. The Lord has shined his face upon you. Your head has become a mirror to all of us. Glory to God. I can literally cut my hair in front of the Kimbenji's head and I will see myself. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, Pastor Benji, amen. <laughs> but he says, whatever you are doing, it's not going to last forever. So what do you do to keep replenishing it? You need to stay consistent. Do it so well. Listen, even as much as hair leaves your head, what happens? The other ones does what? It grows back. That's how every business is. Businesses go through that. You will lose clients, but other new clients will come. The reason why this church is still here is because as people go, people are coming. Didn't we just ordain five pastors? Pastors left this church, they have been replaced. Say amen. They have been replaced. Nothing lasts forever. Please, don't, don't play with your destiny. That thing God gave you opportunity to do may not last forever. Do it with the best of your ability. He said not even crown can be passed to generation. That means positions. May, you may not be in that position again. Oh, where is your amen? The word crown there means position. It means, you know, where God has placed you in terms of authority and position. He said you may not pass it to the next generation. I've never seen a professor die and they say, they, the university call his first son and say, from today, we pass professor degree to you. For where? Nobody does it. Doctors are here. There is no one that can impact their doctor MBBS to their child. Otherwise, he will use injection to kill everybody. They'll just inject chemicals that nobody knows into your body. He has to go through the process. Say Amen. 
I want to finish this thing. Let me round up today. But are you getting something out of this? I, I just want to be sure that I'm not here to waste your time. Next verse. He said, and after hay is harvest, a new crop appears. And the mountain's grass are gathered in. After hay is what? After hay is what? After hay is what? So he's saying to you, church, that there is a time that you will go through a process of sowing and reaping. That's why if you are not a sower, don't expect to reap anything. If you are not a giver, don't expect to reap anything. After hay is harvest. Look at your neighbor, there is always harvest. Say it to them again, there is always harvest. Church, there is nothing that you give that is thrown away. Any act of giving is honored by God because giving on its own is a spiritual and a natural principle. Giving. Giving. People are scared to give their tithe in church because they think, ah, 10%, I'm losing it. No, you are not losing. You are not. First and foremost, don't give your tithe to church. And don't give your tithe to Apostle Felix. I know you are shocked. Like, who do we give it to? Who do you give your tithe to? What did God say? Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithe. Where? Into my storehouse. He didn't say into Apostle Felix's church. Into my storehouse. That there may be food. In my house. Say yet who? And I will open to you the windows of heaven. That's why when people say, uh, after I gave my church to, my tithe to church, that's why you have not reaped harvest of your church, your tithe. Please, may you never give your tithe to this church. Give your tithe to God and come and drop it in this storehouse. Am I communicating? This is how I pay tithe. Before I transfer my tithe, this is what I do. Father, I, before I transfer my tithe to House of Treasures Ministries account, I will pray, Father, I give you my tithe and I ask that you may receive it from me and bless me according to your word. Then I will now quote all the blessings that follow Titus. Then I will now transfer it to House of Treasures Ministries. All this I'm giving, that most people that come into my office and say, Daddy, I want to drop my tithe or I want to, if you have been a witness, Anyone that will tell the truth, I will hold your hands. I will say, Father, I receive this on your behalf. I never miss that. Thank you. You said, oh, yes. At least he has been a recipient. I receive this on your behalf. Because you are not giving it to me. Say amen. amen. It's important. You know, there are many reasons why church people don't reap what they are sowing. Because they give it with a wrong heart. We were in a church where somebody gave a seed. Five years later, she came back and said, I want my money. No wonder she didn't get the harvest in five years. And I have left the church. I was there. I have left the church. Fortunately for the pastor, the day she gave that check, it was a bank guarantee check. I was in the pastor's office. So when she went to open a case in the court, in the court that the church took her money, I went to court as a witness to say, Sir, George, 
he, she came in and said she wants to sue into the church. She sued the pastor. Thank God I was in the office that day. When the, inspe the investigating officer called me and said, I said, I've left the church many years ago. He said, no, come back. Come back because there is a matter. Because the pastor told us in his statement that you were in his office when this, guy, when this woman gave the money. Today, that woman, her life is a mess. Church, you don't do such things. Hey, whatever you do, never, ever request what you gave to God back. That's it. That's, oh, Jesus. May you never degenerate to that. Amen. Say amen, somebody. Amen. So he says, the hay, after the hay is harvest and new crops, and the mountain's grasses are gathered in. So he says, listen, when you now receive your harvest, please gather in and put some things away. The Bible says, go to the ant, you sluggard or lazy person, who the ant, having no understanding or having no guide, somebody that is their overseer, gathers her food in summer and it spends it in winter. That means that every one of us, we go through two seasons. There is a season of abundance and there is a season where everything seems dry. How many of you remember the Joseph principle to Pharaoh? Seven years of what? Plenty. And seven years of famine. In your seven years of famine, make sure you have kept something in seven years of plenty. Some of you are young people now. You don't own a house. You're renting a flat and you're buying Louis... You know, the media team said I shouldn't call names. You're buying all this designer. Every day you are in diamond work. Poverty. Pover. Pover. It's not even poverty. Your own is poverty. Poo. It's going to... Church, you don't own a house of your own. All you are thinking of is expensive leather bag. You are not serious yet. No, you are not. Listen, gather your church. When you start getting to, I'm 51 now. When you start getting to our age, certain things start slowing down. Hello. I know I look 35. It's just the glory of God. Amen. But the truth is, I don't care how powerful you are. Certain things start slowing down. I used to do 24 hours prayer. Son, <laughs> I was fasting the other day. In fact, the day when we were in Zambia, when I did seven hours prayer, I tell you, my body was vibrating like I, I was about to go to heavenly places. Why? Age is catching up. Those things I used to do, I, used, I mean, I used to stay days without eating. Now I wake up in the morning, man, my head, like my body says food, food, food. Amen, somebody. Church, it is what you gather in summer that you will eat in winter. Please, please, young people, young, can I talk to young people? You know, some of you old ones, you have missed it. I can't help you. Maybe if God helps you. No, God can help you, not me. <laughs> Amen, somebody. God can help you. But gather your meat in what? In summer. Gather your meat. That's the time to save. That's the time to own assets. If you are 30 now, below, 
buy a house now at your, my age, you would have finished paying off the bond. So if you can own four properties at 25, 30, by 50, you are debt free. Hello! This is what Robert Kiyosaki does, that you pay him $7,000 to go and listen to him. Gather your meat in summer. Don't just waste your youth. Don't waste it. A time will come when all these things you are... I mean, Church of God, after 50, in fact, maximum 55 to 60, you should be debt free. Because by then you are heading to be a pensioner. That means that if you bought a house at the age of 30, it should have been finished paying off. So that in your old age, you can't be paying bond at 70. Hello? Every day you're getting letter from APSA, Net Bank, F Standard Bank. Not even to say some of you borrow at 55. You went to borrow 50,000 for funeral of your mother. I need to slap you. If, if you. if you do that in this church, you will get a slap from me at 55. At 55, don't even think of death. Don't kill yourself quick. No. At 55, make sure you make that all the debts in your life are sorted. You just wake up in the morning and you live a free life. If you have bread to eat, you eat it with dignity. Can I hear an amen? Somebody says success 101. Are you getting something out of this? You see, because I need to reprogram this generation. Generation that we are in. Things that put in Gucci bag. Where is my Louis Vuitton bag? It's in the car. You didn't bring it. I should have shown you. I have one. Oh. I have one. But listen, I didn't buy it. Somebody, that bag, somebody gave it to me as a gift. The day I went to Louis Vuitton and found out the price, I pleaded the blood. Jesus. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Praise God. But you see, am I saying it's wrong to buy those things? No. There is time for everything. There is a time and age for it. Am I communicating? Put down things that will help your destiny. By, by 60, you are chilled. There is money. In fact, you have already created money that is creating money. That means you have investment in stock exchange. You have investment in businesses that are generating you income. That you don't have to lift your finger. I told you financial freedom is when you can stay two years without working. And there is no hunger in your life. That's financial freedom. And whatever you need to do to do it, do it. Sow your seed. Put away your, your, your savings. Invest in assets, not liability. Car is not an asset. When you buy a brand new Mercedes, as you drive out from the Mercedes shop, 20% is gone. If you return that car five minutes later, they will tell you you owe the bank. They will take it back. You owe the bank some major money out of that car. That you just took. You haven't driven five kilometers. Is that what you go and put all your life savings in? That's not wisdom. So when I say our black boys, our brothers who live in their mother's back room in Protea Glen, and they are driving uh, uh, Audi Q7 or Q8 or, or what's that city? Golf. They want the Golf. Golf. Golf 9. Where are they now? You know, when I knew golf, we only it was at two. I don't know where they are now. Golf, what are they? Golf nine. Eight. 
you go and carry brand new golf. You are in your mother's back room. You, you, your temperature is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Listen, church. This life is not to show up. There is nobody you have to keep up with. Say amen. I am telling you today, there is, don't keep up with anybody. You see, at the end of the day, we will know who is who. Oh, we will know. We will know. We will know. As I am now, the level where God has brought me, that is with, I have labored, I have labored for this ministry, for lives, many nations. Many nations. I don't lack anymore because I have sown into people's lives. I have started businesses for people. I've bought cars. I've given houses. I mean, I have done things for people. Those people now are doing well. Now they are remembering me in my, in my, let me not say old age, my young age, amen. The devil is a liar. I refuse to be old, amen. Not after marrying this sweet 16. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know you need the energy to keep up with this this generation. Child, the other day I was doing re in uh, my daughter's wedding. There is this circle thing. You know, the thing turns you around. I say, baby, <laughs> I hope I will not fall because my eye will start turning. I, I got there, they said I should dance. She said, baby, do something. I said, okay, all right. Child, when I came down, I said, Jesus, you have renewed my youth. Kabash. Yeah. Give me a young wife. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. How did I get here? I don't even know. God help me, man. Child. Verse 26. Let me finish this thing. Let's go home. He said, your sheep will provide wool for you. Say amen. And your goats will provide price of, the, of a field. Many years ago, I was studying the birth of Jesus. I was preparing for one of the um, Christmas services. And as I was reading the birth of Jesus, the Lord said to me, the Mary that gave birth to Jesus, Jesus eventually became her savior. And the Lord spoke to me out of that scripture. He said, son, build whatever I've told you to do. That thing will eventually sustain you. Mary gave birth to Jesus, but Jesus that she gave birth to became her savior. That business you are playing with is your future savior. Invest your life into it now. He says if you keep your flock, put it, the sheep will provide what for you? It will provide wool for your clothes. The reason why that business is not giving you its best, you have not invested your life. You have not invested anything. You don't want to pay the price. That's why when people come to me and say, help me start a business, how much do you have? What are you bringing in? Nothing. I, I don't even pay you attention. You must have something to invest. Otherwise, you won't take it serious. If all my money is in it and there is none of yours, you can work because I'm not there. You can wake up in the morning, just stretch your leg on the, on, and start watching prison break. The one that kept me awake. You know, I told you that. Did, where did I tell the story of prison break? Was it here? Or at the prayer? Let me tell you again. <laughs> the devil is a liar. 
You see why I stop watching series, all these things that you people watch, all these them, Easy Dingo Generation, all this Easy Buyer, Easy Everything, okay? One day, my late wife, I came back, and she was watching Prison Break, and she said, join me. And I joined, stupidly, like a sheep to the slaughter. Beloved, we did overnight pray, not prayer now. I, the last series that when I said I'm tired, I checked time, it was 4.30. I said, TV, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. You will not find me watching any of those things again, ever. Some of you, that's what you do. You put all these series, you watch it overnight. Instead of praying overnight so your destiny can go forward. God forbid. Am I saying watching them is wrong? No. But don't let it, don't, you know now with the advent of Netflix and all this net, everything net your destiny. You know those things, they net your destiny. You can just open to series and everything is there. Don't let anything cage you. Say amen. Are you saying amen? He said your goats will provide the price of a field for you. Your goods. Your business, your job. Beloved, if you work for a company, make that company prosper. It's in the prosperity of that company that you get your promotion. This attitude of is not my own. You are killing yourself, not the business. If that business goes bankrupt, you are jobless. You know, I walk into some shops. Some of you need to go to America. When you walk in, hey, how, how, how can I help you? Oh, there's a the customer service excellent. You walk into our, one of our black sisters is there. And he's even chewing chappies. Like, really? Amen, somebody? No customer treating the business as if it's nothing. That's the business where your salary comes from. Do your best for that business to succeed. Can I hear an amen? These are the, this is the generation that puts money first before success. Let me tell you, if you want to make progress in life, can I give you a secret? When I started Kengo Properties, I never started it to make money. I started it to be a blessing. Do you know how many times I paid my client's transfer cost? I can't count where I paid transfer costs, transfer fees for my clients. You know why? Because I wanted them to own the house. But yet, I became a millionaire through that business. Don't enter that business. Don't enter that job with salary only in mind. Give your best to it. Give your, I'm telling you how to get enlargement from where you are from where you are, where you are, where you are right now, enlargement is around you. But you're neglecting how you will get there. Do it with all your heart. Whatsoever your hand find it to do, what do you do? Do it with all your heart. With all your heart. These things will take care of you later. They will take care of you. They will take care of you. Is it not me now that people are giving cars? Hello? cars. My wife is driving a Mercedes that somebody sold during the conference. He just came here, dropped the key. I wasn't even here. It was, was it a lady that called me? My daughter, was it you? Yeah. Called me and said, somebody came to drop off a Mercedes. 
and drop off some cash. That was it. Today she's blessed with it. Amen, somebody. Because I have labored in the ministry where the ministry is grown now to where it's visible to all men. The person is not a member of this church and never attended the conference one day. He said he was in the place of prayer. God told him to come and drop it on you. Before I met her, I asked her one day, I said, what car do you want? What can I buy for you? She said, my greatest desire is a white C-class. That's the same car the person came to drop. Listen, grow your business. That business will grow you later. It will multiply later. Don't put manifest. This is a generation. Everybody wants money. I can't do anything for church if they don't pay me. You are not serious. Remember, church belongs to who? I will build my church. That's like coming here and saying, I want to sing. And until you pay me, I won't sing. That's why I've stopped paying gospel artists. I stopped. I'm serious. Yes, if I invite them and they say, they, they, I can give them honorarium. But the moment you tell me, you will charge me 70. There was one of the popular gospel artists. I don't want to mention name. He, I was not even around. I was in America. He called me years ago that he should come and sell his DVD. Can he, no, um, sell his ticket for his concert. So he came, sang. I was not here. I was in the States. I went to preach. I wasn't even in the service. He preached, he, he sang, and people bought his ticket. Now, the next two years, I told Pastor Colin to invite him to come and sing in our conference. He said to Pastor Colin to tell me 75,000. I said, are you going to raise the dead? I will give Pastor Vero your song and she will sing it more than you. Say amen, somebody. No. Beloved, we don't charge for the gospel. I can't, you can't invite me. To, somebody invited me to Miami. I'm serious. I just came back from Atlanta where I went to preach and I got this invitation to come back the next week. I said, I can't come. You know what the guy said? I still have the message on my phone. He said to me, men of God, we have prepared $7,000 even if you preach for one day. As he mentioned the amount, I said, that's final. I'm not even going. $7,000 times the rate of rent. You know how much that is? One day, standing one hour. But I refused it because he mentioned money. I promise God, I made a vow to God, I will not preach this gospel for the sake of money. Ne not in this life. And let me tell you, that's why God is blessing me. Because he knows I'm not in this for money. Church, if it's money, when this church started, the first one million ran to this church, I gave it me and my late wife. So why would, why would I be giving when I want the money of the people? No. Am I communicating? Don't start anything with money in your mind. That's why you, the money is running away. I'm being, I'm being serious with you. Don't do that business with only profit in mind. Do it to help humanity. Do it to be a blessing. When your clients buy something from you, the joy must come from your clients being satisfied with your product. Am I communicating? When you come to this church, you know you, you are coming to an excellent church where you are taught the word of God, where everything is organized, where things are being done, where there is growth. You know how much we spend on conferences? Do you know how much we spend? 
when we are spending this money, I'm not even checking what we come in or what offering we will receive. No. My heart is let people be blessed. I will pay the price for the guest speakers to get here because I know they carry a grace that the people of God needs. Can I hear an amen? Please do this thing from your heart. Do it from your heart. This money, money that we are putting first is what is making things hard in our life. Everything is money. If you don't pay me, I won't cut the grass. If you don't pay me, I will not beat the drum. If you don't pay me, I will not. I, I always tell the people in the band, the true test of your being a son in this house is that if I say you will not be paid, you will still play. But how many people will do that? The moment you say I won't pay you, they leave church. But I will not do that. I will not. The most of the people in the band who have said, God said I shouldn't take money anymore from church. They said God said. Why would God go tell somebody not to take money? Because it's not the right thing. We do it because we have to do it. Some of them, that's their profession. They made it their profession. They play. But I, for me, this is what I always say. You can't be doing this as a profession. You can never be a millionaire playing drums. That's limitation. If you are playing drums in this church, even if you are paid, go get something to... Timmy, my son, is doing master. What are you doing now? Which degree are you on now? Master's degree. He's a drummer of the church. He's paid. But he's doing master's degree. Tomorrow he's going to come out with a, a, a serious job. It will not be now. He will be the one giving back to the church. Because I'm teaching you how life works. Don't make all this mundane little money. What is money? What is... No. Truly, the blessing of the Lord make it rich and added no sorrow. Please, I'm trying to help somebody here today. Don't make money first. You can kill somebody for money. You can break down your brother for money. You can kill your sister for money. You can talk bad of somebody because of money. You are not serious yet. God will never give it to you. He only gives it to people that it doesn't matter to. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He gives it to those that don't value it. Some people will give me offering. Thick envelopes. My wife is here. I will put the envelope in the drawer for days I won't count them. I don't have the time. It is after some days I will realize, oh, somebody gave me. A... One time, I, I was in, a, I don't know which country I was. I, I took a suit that I was wearing to preach. Somebody gave me some bundles of dollars. I put it in the pocket. I forgot it there. It was in another country where I went to preach. As I was about to put on the suit, I checked. I wanted to iron it. I saw the pocket swell up. I check it was an envelope with US dollars. Some of you, money is you with, with money you can kill your own parents. God forbid. No, that's not how to make money. Beloved, don't put money first in everything. No, don't. Don't. It's okay to receive, but don't make money everything. Money is not everything. Money is not everything. Yes. Do I want people to give? Yes. And I, people that give me, I bless them. I pray for them. People that give into the ministry, I bless them. Because their heart is here. Amen, somebody. Because one of the proof that you really love a place is that you invest your time and your money. If you say you love somewhere or love someone and you don't... I mean, ladies, a man says, I love you. Every time I love you, I love you. Stories every day. You tell him there is Brazilian hair. He say, no, buy... There is one in town. Amen, somebody. Especially if he can afford it. 
Am I communicating? The proof of love is that you, you know, I hadn't married my, my, my wife when I was in the States. I think I went to, when I went to preach for Andre in, in uh, Florida, in the U.S., I hadn't married her. When I was coming, I went to do shopping for her. I did, I, I don't know if I called you on video call. I'm not sure if I did that. Okay, but I mean, I know her, the size of her body, you know, because, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I went, just selected some nice dress for her. Nice, beautiful things. Then I, you know, now she's begging me to buy her apple. Let me disgrace you. You know, <laughs> I was in apple. I wanted to buy this phone. Apple in New York. I wanted to buy, that time was when iPhone 13 was, now there is iPhone 14. I called her. I said, girl, can I buy you an apple? She says, I don't even know you yet. Eh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not lying. She's here. It's not jokes. He said, I don't even know you yet. You already want to buy me a phone. I said, see this one. <laughs> the day you ask for it, you will pray. Now she's praying. Baby, buy me an iPhone. Buy me an iPhone. The other day, we were in Phuket. We were in the mall. We saw an iPhone. I saw the price. I said, baby, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Because you see, when the anointing was on me to buy it, yeah, the anointing has lifted. She has to wait for the cycle. How many of you know life is in cycle? Uh -huh. Just like women have period, there is a period for the cell phone. When that period comes, uh -huh, they take advantage of the season. Amen, somebody. How did I even get there? Jesus. Amen. Enough of jokes, man. Let's read the last verse and go. What's the last one? Verse 27. But are you blessed today? He said, you will have enough goat milk. Goat's milk for yourself and your family and your servant girls. What does this mean? Church, when you, this is, these people are animal rearers, okay? He says, when you grow your goat, feed it very well. You don't have to kill the goat to get milk. The goat will be alive and keep producing milk for you. That's why you need to take care of your business. The source of your enlargement is that little thing you think is nothing. Am I talking to a believer? The source of your greatness is that small business you just registered. That small job you just got. You don't know who else can walk into your office and a, a transaction begins. You don't know where somebody can speak good of you. One of the ladies that got a job with, um, I think it's United Nations. She was walking somewhere. She said to me when she came to give me offering, oh man, I thank God for her. She also gave me U.S. dollars, kabasha. When I opened the envelope, I said, Kai, Lord, remember her everywhere. Man. But, I mean, obviously she gave me offering based on the size of her job. I mean, she's paid in dollars. So I don't expect, you know, to come here and give me 10 rand. Amen. But we believe God. So, when, when she got, she was working for a company. And the boss she served left the company. So she's still working there. And she got a job with United Nations. Now when she got the job, by the time they needed somebody, 
she said to them, there is a lady I used to walk with. She was working somewhere far lesser than United Nations. Church, that's why anywhere you are, do that job with all your heart. Don't let people complain about you. And that boss said, listen, that's how they called her with no interview, nothing, and she started work. When she started, she came to share the testimony with me and gave me offering to say thank you for your prayers. Church, from where you are, there is enlargement. Did you receive this message this morning? Put your hands together for the Lord. I told you I didn't come to preach. I came to talk to somebody today. I hope you take this message and start from where you are. If you are cutting grass, do it with all your heart. If you are a receptionist, do it with all your heart. If you are a nurse, do it with all your heart. I mean, a lady nurse was telling me the testimony of this uh, multi-millionaire that she took care of. And when the man was about to die, he had uh, a stone that was worth almost $10 million. And he willed it to the nurse. A nurse that took care of him in the last two months of his life. Just by serving people. Little did she know that it was through that she would become a millionaire. A diamond stone. She, I don't even know if she told me that story or somebody told me that story. No, it was a pastor that told me that story. Church, you never can tell where God will bless you. Please, anywhere you find yourself, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. The people that are a blessing to me today were people who came into this church broke, busted, disgusted. I gave them money. I paid their rent. Today, they are giving me back. When I was doing it for them, I didn't do it because they, I, I, I was expecting something. No. They are my sons and daughters. I, I just wanted to be a blessing to them. Now, God has raised them. And now, they are a blessing. One day, one of my sons bought ticket for me and my wife and sent us to Las Vegas. Paid in full. Why? Because I was a blessing to him. Am I talking to somebody? Please, don't put money first. No, don't put money first. Anywhere you are now, do it diligently. Every head bowed or eyes closed.